Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, he gets such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put him back in their houses for ten years. All right, lads. So the big news coming out of Tyrone football last night. This kind of broke is. Um, it looks like Mickey Hart is going to step down as Tyrone manager. I think the announcement might be coming tomorrow from from what I hear. He looked for another year um, and the Tyrone County Board said there'd be no more one year extension. The next uh, term will be a three year term and they're not ex- they're not accepting Mickey Hart for the three year term. I don't know. Aaron Kernan, welcome to the show. What do you th- what do you think of this? Do you think it's the right do you think it's the right move? For Tyrone, or do you think Mickey deserved to go when he thought himself the time was right? Um, I don't think there's ever going to be a right answer. You're you're going to have uh, two camps here. One who want to talk about everything that he did and saying really he should go on his own terms. And then you will undoubtedly have people who just want change and, and want to see a fresh voice um, over the county. Personally speaking, um, I do think that it is time for, for change. Um, I suppose I have been in a slightly similar position, you know, where uh, Dad was over Armagh and uh, had been successful, um, obviously winning All-Ireland, National League, getting another final and your Ulsters. But yeah, there definitely was people within the county um, coming up 06, 07, where we hadn't won an All-Ireland. We'd, we'd lost actually the first round of qualifiers in 07. And yeah, you would have heard the rumours or people sort of giving out around the county. Um, and, and to be fair to him, he sort of knew himself. Uh, he'd been on the go a long time with Cross and then went straight in the county and he just sort of felt himself that um, he, he didn't have the same drive uh, to continue going and probably have to start from scratch with a whole new squad. Yeah. Um, and, and he left, they like say, was on, on his own terms. But it, it's tough going and Jesus to have the desire for him to, to keep going at this age and want to continue um, is, is admirable but you'd uh, almost say you'd almost say with Mickey the stubbornness yeah yeah yeah. but if you look at the bigger picture in terms of throwing football um, they haven't won in All-Ireland since 08 granted they got to a final a couple of years ago and, and there's no doubt they have been competitive in making semi-finals and quarter-finals but for me if you're looking at the outside then you're looking at I suppose the, the under-21 team that won the All-Ireland in 2015 um, and those boys are literally just starting to come into their prime but they have been there and they've been playing um, under Mickey this past number of years but they just haven't been winning All-Irelands or looking like they're going to granted they're up against an unbelievable Dublin team but I think if you put into the mix the, the older players he has like your your um, Niall Morgan Ronan McNamee Maddie Donnelly Peter Hart 
and then that on the 21 team from 15 where you had Kieran McGeary, Rory Brennan, Hampsey, McShane, Myler, Bradley, all these boys. Um, and then maybe someone new like the likes of Dara Canavan coming through. There's definitely an exciting bunch to work with there. And I think maybe a, a fresh voice and a fresh outlook. Um, and to have ready-made clients there, ready to step up, um, it, it might do wonders for them. Yeah, I think, I, look, Connor, I suppose the situation here is wanting to be respectful to Mickey Hart and all he's achieved. And then on the other hand, kind of thinking it would be very exciting to see somebody else, you know, because even for the last three years, there's been a little bit of a confusion about Tyrone. There's been, let's go along to Cahill McShane. That seemed to be their only option. And when that didn't work, they went back to their tried and tested it. They don't see, I don't think, see Tyrone having a clear philosophy, you know, at the moment. And whether Mickey can just discover one next year, I don't know. Personally, me looking at Tyrone, I would be more excited looking at them with a new manager. And again, not trying to be disrespectful to Mickey, who, like, I mean, played against Mickey Hart teams. Like, he's a, what he's done with Tyrone, like, is just nothing short of phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it's been unbelievable. And I suppose it could be a case in, in Tyrone that you be careful what you wish for. If, you know, the people who want Mickey Hart out and then somebody else might come in and just w- wouldn't be able to live up to, to what Mickey Hart has done. But the groundswell of, of, of opinion, I think, in, in Tyrone has been leaning towards towards a fresh voice. I think it's been leaning towards that for the last few years. And Aaron referenced there about, like, Tyrone not winning All-Irelands. And it's not just that. It's it's when, when Tyrone in the last few years, though they've done, they've done quite well in reaching All-Ireland semi-finals and finals, is that they've constantly come up short when it's come to the 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 real big teams? Do you know what? Like, with the, they've lost against Mayo a couple of times. Obviously, lost against Dublin, lost against uh, Donegal a couple of times in Ulster as well. And there's been there's been a few times where that has happened where they just haven't produced it on the big day. And I just think as well, you mentioned there about Mickey Hart's philosophy. The thing with me is, like I thought, like last year, for example, they were leaning towards a more attacking philosophy, going long towards Colin McShane, as he said. But the minute that he reached an obstacle, and that obstacle was when they were ambushed by uh, Donegal and Ulster, I always felt that Mickey Hart was happy to go back to a kind of a more defensive setup and nearly to say, well, listen, I tried the attack and it didn't work. So this is the way we're going to go. And again, it just it, it was always going to come up short. So I think I think I think the, the, some of the voices in Tyrone have been quite respectful about how they've said it. But you can you can kind of detect hints in the likes of Sean Cavanagh that they're edging towards looking for something new and looking to see can somebody new bring out the best in what is a really exciting um exciting exciting forward line for Tyrone. So yeah. hopefully I like it, it hopefully Mickey will be will be able to step aside with dignity, which I hope he will. But at the same time you would have to say that it is exciting times for, for Tyrone fans looking to see what's coming next. Yeah, I'm not sure Peter Canavan is in the mix at all. I think he stepped to put not put his name forward because Mickey still wanted it. So like I mean they're obviously the same club and Peter would would hold Mickey in such high regard that, you know, Peter would have counted himself out. There'd be a few contenders, I suppose, Aaron and Tyrone for that job. There, there would be, and that's the thing, like there, there's nobody going to put their name forward for a job that wasn't vacant. Um, but say if you go back to the likes of that under-21 team that won, um, you had Fergal Logan, a former county player, was the manager, um, yeah. but his coaches was Brian Duher and Peter. So whether if Mickey leaves and that management team maybe get put forward, um, or you also have Colin Holmes, who's been doing really good work at underage, you know, particularly 17 level, uh, again, former county player, um, he was so, with Dungannon as well, wasn't he? he? Yeah, he was this year, but he, he had been involved with um, the, the under-17 and development squads yeah. there for a number of years. Um, so they have candidates who have their fingers on the pulse in terms of what's coming through underage. Um, you know, so 
it it is a positive. So just before we come on, you're you're trying to think of it. Like Peter Canavan's retired fifteen years now at this stage. Um, he's obviously a top candidate that nearly anyone else uh, would want you know to have on board. He's done his time at his club with Aragal. He's done county football um, with Fermanagh. The next obvious step would be for him to take his own county, Tyrone. Um, and I think obviously just given the quality of Dara, um, I don't think nepotism is going to be an issue uh, there. That's not going to be a stumbling block certainly for him. So um, yeah, if the vacancy does come up, um, I would think that, you know, one of the first uh, group of people would be that 2015-21 squad um, that would, would be in a position to put their name forward as a management team. Yeah, I think that's probably the one that, that that kind of stands out. Here's the one bit of analysis, lads, after every game. Is, is, is the team fresh or is the team tired? And of course, it's never called before the game. This will be called on Monday. So you have Porrick Joyce talking about the Connacht final and he says it'll be Mayo's fifth week in a row playing. So they could be tired and we could be fresh. We could be without games and they have games. We don't know. He says, you always prefer to, or no, he said, you, uh, but you always play uh, two or three weeks in the championship, every two or three weeks in the championship anyway. And we had a very competitive game against Dublin two weeks ago. This is one of these things that can never really be proven, Aaron, because if you're to go back through the history of games and someone did a study on this, it probably breaks 50-50. Like, I mean, you know, are you fresh or are you tired? Like Mayo's fifth, I would say Mayo's fifth game in a row being something that wouldn't affect them in any way. They're used to coming through the qualifiers. They, they haven't picked up any injuries through the five weeks in a row. I would I would be consistent in saying that's all, that has to be better than being fresh. But then when God would beat them, I won't have a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would. I tend to agree with you. From a player in perspective, you'd much rather be in Mayo's position because I always found whenever you were playing week in, week out, um, number one, your confidence was up, particularly if things were going well. But secondly, if you make a mistake, it's very fresh in your memory, even whenever you go back to training or if it happens, a similar situation happens in the game the following week um, and you tend to, to not make the same mistake twice. So, uh, and you said Mayo have proven that constant run of games going through qualifiers isn't an issue for them um they have a fresher squad now they definitely have a fresher look about them um maybe some faces that aren't used to this at championship level but given the year that we've had um for those boys to to be able to learn as much in competitive action um this past five weeks will will have been absolutely brilliant um to offset it i think the big thing regardless of yes goal will be fresh but Galway, more importantly, will be highly motivated. Um, obviously, they were all the talk earlier in the year. Haven't hit the same form um, since the league has resumed. But I think Park Joyce is in a brilliant position that he only has to go back three weeks, uh, show a couple of clips of a league game and tune, um, and his motivation uh, within his squad, I'd say, will, will go through the roof. Um, so they, they are fresher um, they look like they've got a few players back that they didn't have in that, that Mayo League game a couple of weeks ago um, and I suppose if you just put in the context if you look at the hammered Tyrone earlier in the league whenever they were flying and then obviously they had that woeful performance in the league against Mayo but you had seven different players uh, who had started um, granted it was about six months later but the two teams were were completely different from a team that was in personnel were completely different from the team that was flying earlier in the year to to the first game back. So um, definitely, it's a game that I'm really looking forward to seeing. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I mean, the, the idea of product choice does make a, a, a good point. And it's a point I didn't really think of. And like, I mean, you know, oftentimes in the championship, you play a match, you don't have a match for two more weeks. That's what Galway have. The problem with Galway is they're coming off two losses and they would have loved that Sligo game just to get things going, motoring again. And like, I mean, what Mayo have had, what that Galway don't have is landing the train and that Tuesday night and everyone's in fantastic form and the confidence is up and we're winning games. Galway don't have that. And that's what you would probably, rather than the fresher, tired thing, I would I would put it down maybe, Connor, to confidence and maybe a lack of confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just in Mayo's favour as well. If you think of the amount of players that Mayo, that Mayo have been able to bet in, um, you know, in the last few games in the league. Now, granted, the first game was against Galway, but like the likes of Owen McLaughlin, even Tommy Conroy got a run here on the year, Rushy Mullen. They're now, they've got four games on the bounce and they've made their championship debuts now and they've made their championship, they, they've played against teams in Division 1. So that'll bring on, that'll bring on, on their confidence hugely. Whereas if you're a Galway player coming back, the, the Mayo game was an absolute nightmare. Nobody could really take a positive out of that. And then you had Dublin the following week. So anyone who might have been struggling for form, that Sligo game might have prevent, presented the ideal opportunity just to get your touch back a little bit and just to give you that little bit of confidence boost heading into heading into the Mayo game, especially yeah. given what happened um, against against Mayo a few weeks ago. So, oh, no, just Actually, just sorry on that. Uh, just there that we mentioned Sligo, Paul Taylor has stepped down as manager. I meant to meant to mention that in part one. He's probably the first manager to ever resign from managing managing his team after after going the whole championship unbeaten. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. Really. I, couldn't, I couldn't resist that joke. I've been I, I I'd forgotten it from the start. Yeah, that's one way. Continue, of continue on, continue on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so no, just I, I think Aaron said it. I'd much prefer to be in Mayo's position than I would be uh, always going into it. And and even the freshness issue, I wouldn't even think it's a big deal for Mayo because only I think I was looking at only ten players have played all the games since the restart because because James Horan been freshening it up so much. And then a lot of those are young fellas. Well, Bar David Clark, of course, who's, who's played every game. Maybe Aidan O'Shea. But the rest, you know, that their age and their condition level would be well able for it. And amongst all that, then, fellas who might have needed a break, maybe Killian O'Connor, for example, got one against Tyrone. Kevin McLaughlin only played against Tyrone. He came back in and did well against Roscommon. Chris Barrett only came back in from the start against Roscommon too. So it's not as if that was always a worry about Mayo going through the qualifiers because their age profile was, you know, heading towards late 20s, early 30s. You worried for them and it didn't turn out to be a problem. But yeah. I, I don't think it, it's that much of an issue this time around. So... I'd say, and plus their conditioning has been very good. So, like to me, for, like tiredness won't be won't be an issue, and they definitely have the advantage in terms of them being kind of battle hardened as opposed to uh, Galway coming in a bit, uh, a bit kind of just not having the same experience as Mayo have had the last few weeks. Yeah, Damien Comer's out. So, when you hear these quotes from Porrick Joyce, so he says he nicked his hamstring against Mayo three weeks ago. Um, hamstring injuries take four to six weeks, so unless a miracle happens between now and Sunday. We probably won't see him. Now, I don't know. Like, I mean, if, if you're talking three weeks, it takes four to six weeks. We probably won't see him. We won't see him. Now, why is he putting the probably in there, Aaron? Like, I mean, he says a nick. I don't know what kind of language you use in our math for hamstring injuries. But a nick for me, it's possible to get back within three weeks for a nick. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, done a bit of damage to mine in the county final recently. Um, so yeah, they all come in different grades. If yeah. it's a hamstring, neck, uh, or spasm or slight strain, you could be talking, you know, plenty of physio treatment, rehab, and maybe t- two, three weeks you'd be fine. But yeah, 
Damien pulled up very sharply um, in in that uh, Mayo League game, and it was very early on in it. Um, so it's not as if it was fatigue or whatever. So I would say it's more than a nick. Um, even if you have a grade one hamstring tear, it's four to six weeks, and that's just there's no real quick way to get to get back from a hamstring injury, as you know yourself. It, it'll just keep reoccurring. Um, if a worst case scenario, it was a grade two, um, like you could be talking anything probably seven, eight, nine weeks, which would, would definitely rule him out of everything. So um, I, I would think he was maybe just trying to put a bit of a doubt, maybe in Mayo people's minds that there is this potential. But given how sharply he pulled up uh, and the short time frame there, there has been since that game, I would say, unfortunately for all of us as neutrals, um, yeah, I can't see, see Damien Comer being of use to go away this weekend, which obviously it's it's a huge blow. That, that's a fair point because nicks generally don't happen early in the game. You know, tears probably happen. And again, you're right, a tear in the language I use for hamstrings, you know, a nick or a pull or a slight strain might be two or three weeks and a tear is four to six. Obviously, and you're saying then the, the more severe ones can be more. But like, I suppose that's it, uh, Connor. The nicks might happen in the second half when you're fatigued and you'll feel a slight little thing and you might go off as a precaution. But if you're coming off after five, you know, air, very early in the game, five minutes, there's a good chance you're looking at a four to six week job. Yeah, he struck me as a man who, like, I've only had a couple of hamstring injuries myself, Willie, but like you convince yourself, you convince yourself after maybe two weeks because you're not sprinting flat out that, you, that you're ready to go. And you might do, you know, you might do a bit of training and, you know, you, you don't feel it. And then you think, oh, I'm going to be fine. And it's only like the physio can tell you. It's only you, you, you will know yourself. Only you can say the physio won't be able to tell you, um, you know, if, if you're going to be ready to go or not. And then like the, the fact that it went straight away, just said that maybe Comer had convinced himself that he was right for that game when he wasn't really. And that the, the worry is, is that if, if he had an existing problem there already, he's exacerbated and it's probably gone for a few more weeks. Like, I, I, I don't know, I'd be very, very, like Aaron made a good point about the, it wasn't that he just kind of came to a, you know, he he was he jogged or something like that. It was very shit. It was like it was a grade one or a grade two tear. So, and that was that was what less than a month ago. So, yeah. like I, I can I can maybe understand Boric Joyce maybe wanting to give him a glimmer of hope and and not just tell him Mayo for certain that he's going to be out. But I'd highly doubt we'll see him on Sunday. Yeah, probably you're probably right. Just for anybody listening, I think I've said this on the show before. Now I'm not a physiotherapist, but I've had so many hamstrings down through the years. If you want to know whether you have a nick and you're two to three weeks or you have a tear in your four to six weeks, the test the next day is very, very easy. If you have a limp on your hamstring, if you have a limp on the leg, you have to tear on the next day, four to six weeks minimum. If you can walk and it's just kind of catching you, but you do not have to limp, now you have a two to three week chance. It's unscientific, I know, but this is through my uh, my, uh, experience. If you're limping, forget about it, four to six weeks. If you're not limping, you get a, You have a good chance. Don't worry about it the next day. You could get back uh, for the next match. Anyway, we want to talk about this match a little bit tactically, lads, because we want to talk a little bit about uh, Galway more than Mayo because we know what to expect from Mayo. You know, variety to their play, loads of energy, loads of support runs, loads of pace, and, you know, playing football like they're not afraid of it. Like, I mean, the, whatever about Comer being out, Aaron, I don't know what you think. Shane Walsh is would be a bigger loss because... The way Galway played when they're playing their really good football early in the season, the whole game plan was was based around Shane Walsh's speed and being out in front and kind of winning ball off Shane Walsh and kind of taking it from there. You know, it was very exciting to watch. And there's a lot of similarities actually between the way Galway were playing early in the year and what we're seeing from Mayo now. 
yeah, um, there's no doubting Shane is pivotal, uh, pivotal to everything that they do. Um, and you would hope that he'll be back as a starter. Um, I suppose just if we reference back to the to the Dublin game, he scored an unbelievable point in the second half of that into the wind. But I think what proved to me that he definitely was back to himself was he took Davy Byrne on um, and you would always hear the Dublin players sort of claiming that Davy Byrne's faster than Jack McCaffrey. He actually started pulling away from Davy Byrne and I couldn't believe it, but I just say it's, it's fair to say Shane Shane Walsh is back to full fitness. So um, him back in the starting team, him inside. And, and there's no doubting, like even though... Mayo or Galway haven't played to their potential this past few weeks and they've lacked a bit of energy. It, like Everybody knows the style of football that Porrick Joyce wants to play. He's done it at Andre's level. He, he's obviously been vocal about how he sees them playing. Um, they're going to try and get that nice um, uh, direct ball into their inside lane, playing to their forwards' advantages with runners coming off the shoulder. And I think as well for us all as neutrals, the brilliant thing is that Mayor are going to allow them those opportunities. Um, I very much think that the, the, obviously in the middle of the field, there'll be huge intensity um, from both sides. Galway's hurt um, from from what happened them a couple of weeks ago. But also you have to throw into the mix that this Mayo team, after winning five Connacks in a row, haven't won any uh, since then, you know, and it's been knockout football. Everton's on the lane. Um, and I, I think it's just it's going to be very intriguing um, to see... Uh, how it fares out. Um, the only thing I would say is the people feeding off Shane Walsh, the likes of your your um, Ian Burke, um, Farley, and those boys. I'm not sure that they have been hitting the same heights that yeah. they have earlier. Do you, think, in the year. do you think Ian Burke will start? Because that's a mismatch on Mullen, Ushin Mullen, completely. Because Ian Burke just does not have the pace or the physicality or the athleticism for him. I see Varley potentially starting ahead of Burke, you know, with Finnerty. It could be Varley, uh, Walsh and Finnerty in the full forward line. Like, I think Ian Burke is great. I don't think he's in great form. And I think it's a complete mismatch with him and Ushin Mullen. Yeah, well, I think anyone um, who's going to be coming up against that, that Mayo backline at this stage, you have to be prepared to, to go on the back foot and, and work hard. Um, I suppose, you know, listen to your show all year, you're, you're wondering about Lee Keegan um, and, and why he's been put at cornerback. But to me, if, if I'm looking at it now, it's that James Horan actually just thinks that maybe that's his best position, that he, maybe his, his days as probably the best attacking halfback that we've ever seen uh, just mightn't be there at the moment. And Who's the arguing and whenever you see the pace and power that uh, McLaughlin and, and Durkin are attacking on from wing half back. So every yeah. Galway forward um, is going to have to be ready for manic work uh, at the weekend. And I think if you just think back to just remember how hurt and disappointed Porrick Joyce was uh, in his tone of voice after that game. I don't think there's any Galway player, uh, regardless of whether you're forward or not, that's going to share responsibility this weekend. But in your question, it's it's not in uh, Ian Burke's DNA to, to be traipsing up and down the field um, after somebody. So it may be a case that whenever the game opens up and someone whose movement and football brain really comes to the fore, that maybe that might be an option that, that Park holds on to for a second half. Yeah, maybe that's the case. Like I'm, I'm looking at a Galway forward line because apparently, other than Comer, they don't have injuries. So you're looking at that full forward line, half forward line then of uh, Michael Daly, um, Conroy and A and others so maybe Brannigan somebody else that might work how are you feeling when you see that and Ronan Steed back in midfield it's fair to say Connor that league game will will have, have no bearing on this team and Aaron's right both teams will attack at pace both teams will get one-on-ones 
and like weather permitting, which we could be let down by it. This has the makings of a real classic. Yeah, and when you when Aaron mentioned Ian Burke come on there, he, Ian Burke came on in Mikhail Park. I think it was twenty eighteen and completely changed the game. That was perfect conditions, and then both Galway and Mayo were playing defensively, and it was a real kind of letdown. And now the pity is, is that we're going to be playing a game in Pierce Stadium which is the worst uh, with the worst stadium to be affected by conditions probably in the country. And we're playing it in the middle of November when two teams are going to go out with a pure, both teams with absolutely attacking philosophies, but the conditions might kind of be paid to that. But yeah, the, the league game a few weeks ago is, is, of, com- is of a complete irrelevance uh, here, Wally, only maybe for Galway fellows who were terrible that day that really want to make a mark and kind of make up for it. But apart from yeah. that, in terms, of the, in terms of the way that the game is going to pan out, it's, it's, it's absolutely not going to be like that. And just... I was trying to put a Galway forward line together myself, and it's that they're like there are plenty of options there now. I I don't know was there was there a doubt over um was there a doubt over Adrian Varley because I, I think I'd agree. I think just given the experience of Ian Burke against Oshie Mullen the first day, I just like Oshie Mullen will do the exact same if, if he's on if he's on Ian Burke, and Ian Burke isn't going to be following him all day. Whereas if you could bring Ian Burke into the mix to add something different during the second half, I think I think Parik Joyce would look at that, and then you've obviously got Shane Welsh. The, the positioning of Shane Welch, I think, will be will be very interesting. Like, obviously, he's been playing full forward all year. He's kind of used to centre forward as well. I had a I had a thought that uh, Joyce might position him at eleven with the intention, if if he was positioned out there, thought that Paddy Durkin might mark him and then try and drag Paddy Durkin inside. But I'd say Mayo will contract that by saying that if if Shane Welch is to move inside, well then Lee Keegan takes him there, and if he was to operate around the half forward line, that Paddy Durkin would take him there. But yeah, it's but 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 that 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 goal with Fardine is very dangerous. Look about it, and one thing I'd say as well is that Paul Conroy is probably in the form of his life, and as well as kind of having the option up top, the option to bring him out around the middle, where I think Mayo are still slightly vulnerable. Did okay against Roscommon, but still yeah. are slightly vulnerable, and. They had a dominance against Galway the first day that they're definitely not going to have the next day. I think that's going to add to the, the dynamic as well, and that that might that might lead to the way the Mayo set up whether Aidan O'Shea is, is going to come back in and stuff like that too. So, whatever way you look at it, um, it's going to be attacking and it's going to be. I just hope the conditions don't ruin it because it's the recipe for for an absolutely brilliant game. The the one thing about the game uh, in tune the last day, Aaron, is that people say, "Oh, that was a great result for Mayo." You know, they they hammered Galway; their confidence will be up. Like the other way of looking at that is that, like you mentioned, Galway are highly motivated. Shane Walsh said during the week, the nature of the games between the counties is that one usually is trying to reverse the result of the previous one. There's never much between them. Yeah. And Mayo showed their hand to Galway that day. Like Mayo showed their hand to the whole country that day because they weren't they were off colour before the the country shut down. They came back now with this all action style with with Ushin. Well, he was doing it before as well. That was his game, but he caught Ian Burke definitely off guard. McLaughlin bombing forward. Galway, you know, have been warned. They know Mayo's team, and now they've had another game of watching Mayo. You know, build on that. Whereas Mayo haven't seen much of Galway to be honest. Yeah, and to be fair, like. If you go back to how well Galway were going earlier in the year and Comer was at centre-half forward, but Paul Conroy wasn't playing then. And I think one of the big pluses that Galway have had since, even though they haven't won those two games, has been the form of, of Paul Conroy. Um, so he'll be pivotal uh, around that there half-forward line. Um, but you would say psychologically, who's the easier team to motivate this week? And and that's why um, I don't think that regardless of the two defeats that you can even in the slightest bit rule out um, a Galway win this weekend um, because it was just like I said, the demeanour of Porrick Joyce and that there after having such a great start to the year. Like It's safe to say 
fuming would have been an understatement um, yeah. how he, he, he was after that there game. So they are perfectly set up. Um, they haven't, players haven't been hitting the same form or, or they don't seem to be at peak. But fresh motivation like that there in a knockout championship where all's in the lane and everybody is looking to see a path to an All-Ireland final that has just opened up slightly more in this past week than what we probably all would have imagined. Um, it can do wonders for anybody. Um, so your point earlier was was good in terms of there's nothing worse than having, like if you're playing your normal league and you've lost two games and then there would have usually been a break in between, you know, you nearly won a game straight away to get back in the horse. Um, this is worse again because they didn't get that championship game and they're straight into knockout championship. But at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. They have to perform this weekend and yeah. have to start. They, yeah, they have to work hard. Yeah, yeah, but but they didn't do like, and even no. if you're looking at League Sunday for that for that game, like it was clear that the Mayo boys were completely dictating the tone of what was happening that day. Um, and I think it it just goes without saying it's not going to happen this Sunday. I think you're going to see an absolutely pumped up, fired up uh, Galway side. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's one that it's it's definitely going to be intriguing. Is uh, if Ronan Steed is playing midfield, that that's another huge plus. He hasn't played in those two league games, and the style of football that Park Joyce wants to play in terms of quality foot passing into the inside lane, um, and then players feeding off Shane Walsh, he is key to that. There, um, you know, I suppose you could see in the likes of Key and Darcy and you had, you had John Marr or you have Tom Flynn in the midfield. That's who their midfield parents were the past couple of games. They don't have the same pass and range or ability or head up play that Steed does. So having him fully fit, having him back in the team would be massive to, to the type of game that Pork wants to play, uh, paying off. Yeah, exactly. What about these Mayo subs? Like, I mean, uh, Connor, we, we see Keith Higgins, Colin Boyle, Donny Vaughan, all these fellas. Like, Mayo are emptying the bench but they're not even giving these lads a couple of minutes game time. Now, would you not prefer Keith Higgins or Colin Boyle to come in with, you know, 20 minutes ago to steady a ship, for example? That mustn't be on the cards or else he would have given them some time into their legs. Oh, that's that's what I was saying last week. I, I was very surprised against Leitrim, for example, when the opportunity was there. I mean, like the, the game was up uh, well by half time. no disrespect to Leitrim, but I thought that w- when you have Colin Boyle and Keith Higgins on the bench, you might as well use them. Because they haven't, they haven't got any game time whatsoever. So, and even last week when he started emptying the bench against uh, Ross Common, yeah, it was Rory Brickenden, it was Mark Moore, and it was James Carr that he threw on. It wasn't Colin Boyle or Keith Higgins. So, I like at this stage, I think we mentioned it already or a couple of weeks back that James Horn seems to be going bald headed with the, this 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 new approach, and it's it's nearly like the that the old lads are, aren't aren't going to get back in this year, no matter what happens. So, I would have thought. I was just glad that Chris Barrett came back in because I, I did think that that Mayo defence needed a little bit of experience. But in terms of when the game's in the melting pot, it, it does look like it's going to be the the younger fellas that uh, that James Horn is is going to turn to. And to be honest, there's yet to be kind of ample proof. Maybe Barry James Carr, who obviously got the great goal against Galway last year, Darren Cohen's done it a bit, but they don't have certainly don't have the history of making a difference that 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 some of the older lads do. Uh, final shout out to Bernard Power. He'll be in goals. Obviously, Conor Gleeson had that nightmare against Mayo the last time. Bernard Power is a throwback to the Cross McGlen under 14 team, Aaron, who has a kind of a heavy lad in goal that hates laps and, you know, has no interest in playing outfield, but is a solid goalkeeper. And he's actually surprisingly really, really good on the ball. Like, you wonder, you think he's going to get surrounded and blocked down, but his distribution is fantastic. He doesn't look like the modern goalkeeper, but he is safe. Just look at the. 
the the village or the townland or the club he's coming from and you can understand yeah. why, why he's so comfortable and composed on a ball. Um yeah, I think it's variation of kickouts are going to be are going to be key this weekend. Um, you know, uh, Connor Gleeson um, ended up probably having to go route one um, and just things weren't working out from uh, it's fair to say but um, yeah Bernard Perra looks like a sort of happy-go-lucky fella um, but he's a, he's huge experience and um, played in an awful lot of big days uh, both for Galway and for Corrafin um, but they're going to need it's, it's the same as everyone like you need your goalkeeper really tuned in you need him executing his kickouts um, and you need him varying things uh, and I would I would obviously imagine that again given what happened in, in Tume in that league game um, that you're going to see a, a huge improved performance um, not only from him but from the options that he gets like from memory that league game there were some boys were getting balls um, from short kickers and they were just getting nailed um, Liam Silk even got a ball and ended up having to fist it straight back to, to Gleeson which obviously he can't do now um, so yeah. Those mistakes, uh, they're not going to happen this weekend. Um, and I think that will definitely it'll, it'll go a big way to giving Galway a, a foothold in terms of just gaining possession and, and dictating their own style of play on Mayo. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be out sweeping like James Morgan now or, or anything like that. But he is he is very, very steady. I want to get predictions here, lads, quick, because we've gone to town on this match. Um, it is the only provincial final of the weekend. I'll start with you first, Connor. We know which way you're going to go. <laughs> yeah, um, I said Mayo. Briefly, brief, briefly. Mayo by two points. Mayo by two points. Aaron, briefly. Yeah, going to be a super game of football, but I'm just going to go and side for Mayo, um, just given their suppose, need um, to, to win a provincial title and for some of these boys to get one more shot at an All-Ireland. Yeah, OK. Well, I'll go against the two of you, right? And I'll go with Galway just to keep this interesting. Someone has to win and someone has to lose, right? So let's just... Uh, I No, listen, I think this is so 50-50. You can make a very strong argument um, for either team. And I think maybe the motivation for Galway being at home and, you know, uh, after being hammered by Mayo the last time, they might, they might do it. Right, we'll leave it there, lads, and we'll come back and have a look at the other games. <laughs> I work as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down in Store Street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me, hey Coffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> 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 and, and, and next thing I hear you have no fucking jurisdiction up here <laughs> okay so the other big one probably second big one this weekend is uh, Donegal versus Armagh um, Aaron like I mean Donegal are unbackable favourites um, to win this one like I mean it's going to be piss and rain in Kingspan Breffney Park Armagh would have absolutely no traditional fear of Donegal. Like, I mean, how do you see this one going? Is seven to two on Donegal there? I see it being a bit closer than that. Yeah, well, I think that there's no doubting that we have the the scoring personnel um, to cause Donegal plenty of uh, plenty of problems um, from midfield up. Um, we have options all across the field, uh, plenty of athleticism, and definitely scoring quality. If you're being absolutely realistic, though. Um, I, I would probably see this Donegal side being quite similar to what maybe your Armagh team in, in your mid-2000s were, where 
say Armagh had won their All Ireland, they'd gotten to another All Ireland final. They were very competitive within the the province. They, that team did three in a row. This Donegal team's going for three in a row. So they're so assured and and composed and and know exactly what they're about. Um, where this Armagh team, obviously, they're not used to the same standard um of football in terms of what's available in Division One, and obviously making it to and competing in in uh, provincial finals. But I definitely think that we're we're on an upward curve. Getting the Division One has proved that there. Um, and really, to be honest with you, I think an awful lot depends on what Armagh want to do this weekend. I think we know what you're going to get from Donegal. I don't think anybody um would be as calm, composed and assures themselves in bad, wet conditions in terms of trying to see out a game. But yeah. what Armagh want to do this weekend, how Armagh are going to play, my honest opinion is if, if I think that we're going to play a slow, ponderous game, get men behind the ball and, and pick them off, um, I think there's only one winner in that yeah. stage of the game. And that's yeah. not even good because you can't beat them at a game that they've perfected. It's not our style. It's not what we're used to. Um, so it, it really, a lot of it is going to, I suppose, depend on on air attitude and, and how we set ourselves up um, to but, play it. Yeah, but just just on that, do you see that as a weakness having crept into the Donegal game? Because I see Donegal having become very laboured and they, maybe they want the game to develop into that because they have an advantage in that. But I don't know. I think when Rocher took them over first, I saw them be, I saw them attacking at a lot more pace than they are now. It's like they're just happy to slow the game down now and, and be, accept that they're going to face, you know, a good few bodies and they're okay with that. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I I genuinely think that they're underselling themselves here. I, I yeah, think me too. Have, yeah, I I think that they have the ability to to play a a better, a more attractive, a more direct style of football. Um, I, I'm not saying back to the gung ho two thousands where you wouldn't know what you were going to get from them. Um, you know, they'd pull off the odd big result. Um, I, I just think there is certain teams in the game where they can have more men ahead of the ball to give them a kicking option. Like, Can you turn around and say, who's their kickers out of defence? Like, They never really do it because, well, I don't know whether they have the ability and all the defenders to do it or I just don't know whether they never have a half-forward outlet there. And um, Obviously, they're very good at what they do, but for me, I suppose the style of football we would definitely play within Cross McGlen or with Armagh whenever I started out, it was, it was more direct and it's it's easier on the A. And as a halfback, I always love just having options ahead of me that I can foot pass a ball and then you can hair up the field after it. And I definitely, I thought that it was something that they looked like they were starting to do, but you say, uh, there's no sign of it this year. And I don't know whether it's just, given the time of year it is now, conditions or whatever, that they're going to be happy to try and see every game out in a cagey fashion. But they have definitely the ability um, to, to mix up their game more, be more direct. And um, if you go back to, say, the 2012 All-Ireland against uh, Mayo, like the early goals they got was from long, early, direct ball. And that style of football just really seems to have dried up from uh, this past number of years whenever... There's no, there's no better team with McBrady, Gallen, Brennan, Murphy, um, Langan, Thompson, all huge big men with with balls of ability um, that they can they can definitely mix it up if they choose to. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, Connor. So it'll be interesting to see how Donegal approach this game because like I mean they're playing a team um, in Armagh who are not like a Tyrone who Armagh will want to take you on more in a footballing game than more of a hand passing game if that's what you want to do. Now, it'll be interesting to see because obviously Donegal might have bigger fish to fry than Armagh 
potentially, and they're looking down the road to Dublin. And, like, you know, that defensive style will not be Dublin. We know that. Like, we have a, a mountain of evidence to suggest. So what I would like to see Donegal against Armagh doing is maybe, you know, playing more of a footballing game and showing that side. They've done it before against Kerry in the Super 8s in Croke Park. Like, I mean, I think they can do it. Whether there's a, definitely a culture in Ulster of, you know, of, I think, a little bit of fear, you know, for whatever reason, you know, how do you see Donegal potentially going at this one? Well, I was about to refer back to that game against Kerry that you mentioned, Willie, because that, that came not long off the back of... So last year, they bet Tyrone in in the uh, in Ulster playing a playing a defensive style of play that that Tyrone didn't see coming and it completely ambushed them and then they played that style of play against Kerry one of the best games of the year in Crow Park and really saw Donegal opening up and using those forward options that Aaron mentioned there that they have and they they really kind of came into their own and then then they came, they they came unstuck against uh, Mayo they just kind of went into their shells again against Mayo in the Super 8 so Again, like it's they they have to go horses for horses for courses. So like they're playing against. Uh, you're right there. Like why why would Armagh play uh, a defensive style against Donegal when you're when you're playing against the most patient team in the world, basically? Because if Donegal, if you want to play that way against Donegal, Donegal will just pass it around for five minutes and then they'll pick off their scores like they did on occasion against their own. So you're, yeah. you're Armagh are better off trying to get into their faces, trying to press them high, and trying to um, just just not giving them that opportunity to kind of pass back and over, be patient and pick off their opportunities like that. So I, I I would hope just for the sake of the game, but for the sake of Donegal's chances of actually advancing further in this competition, because when you think about it as well, whatever about conditions, if they do if they do make it as expected to Dublin against Crow Park, playing in Crow Park, depending on the night, the, the conditions are leveled off a bit. It's just it's not going to be the same as playing on a bog of a pitch anywhere else in November. So I just think that that's that's the way I th- I think the way Armagh approach it will 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 dictate the way Donegal play it. But I'd like to think for the sake of the game, for the sake of everyone, I think it's the best way for Armagh to win it. I think it's the best way for Donegal to win it the next day and going forward. That hopefully that we don't see that kind of defensive lateral hand passing and that we see more direct balls to what is a really, really potent both half forward line and inside forward line, especially if Paddy McBrady is available again. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Amar have like Connor says, Aaron, Armar have to be in their faces. They have to press high, and if they don't win the kick out, they don't give up pressing. They should stay pressing because when Donegal get in there over and back, over and back, that's when they're comfortable. They have to get in their faces a bit like Tyrone did a bit more the next day, but with having leaving a couple more forwards up there. Because the one advantage Armar have over Tyrone is they have the size around midfield to compete better on those kickouts, you know, and, and like, I mean, on breaking ball, Ushin O'Neill, you have Sheridan, you have Jared Oak, you have Grimley. Like, I, I can see Armagh packing that area because they simply have to with a good few of their kind of big ball-winning players. Yeah, I suppose they just need to be careful with their with their high press. And um, I think you can see Sean Patton's kick out last uh, week against Tyrone and yeah. how it turned the game on top of its head. Um, I've been part of a Cross McGlenn team that was uh, naive, to say the least, and got caught out um, by a number of those long deliveries against Guidor a couple of years ago and left us as exposed. So the high press, um, I suppose we always say, it's, it's really easy to get that going whenever it's a free kick. Um, it's knowing how far you're going to go if your forward shape's all over the place. Um, right. you know, and I would say Armagh will have worked plenty in that, you know, if if they've got turned over where they're uh, or saved if they've had a shot from from open play, sorry, and um it goes wide or whatever. Um Patton can get things going very quickly. So you don't want men all starting to sprint up the field at that stage, trying to get men, you know, where then he'll be able to see that and, and that one long delivery 
to whoever it might be, whether it's it's, it's Langan or Murphy or whatever. It can take out half a team or more. Um, so I'd be all for high pressing, but you do need to see um, what's happening around you, where the Donegal men are filtering to, because they're so adapted at punishing you on it. Um, but I suppose my thing is, and it might have just been a confidence thing, is if you look at... The criticism the carrier taken this week, it's, you know, and how they set up and how they tried to sort of um, mirror uh, maybe what Cork were going to do. And I feel to a certain extent, even though we won the game and particularly in the first half against Derry, we did very well. Um, I, I just thought that we maybe tried to change how, how we wanted to play too much to suit them whenever I just feel at the moment we're a better team than Derry. And I don't think that that much thought needed to go into it. I think it should have been more focused on ourselves. So, yeah, there have been a lot of nerves for that game where there'd be no <laughs> nerves for Donegal, right? Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of pressure on Armad that day. I was just going to say, all the pressure was on Armad then, you know, and, and we just got up to Division 1, which obviously would have been a massive goal for the year, but our Ulster Championship form hasn't been great. Yeah. You're maybe waiting in a dairy ambush, uh, and we were hot favourites. We have nothing to lose this weekend. Obviously, Donegal is going for three in a row. Everyone expects them to win. Um, so that's why I would like to see everybody's going out and just having an absolute cut off it. Obviously, you have to play the conditions and that there. But, um, you know, I would like us to be getting as much early ball um, to our danger men up front who are all going well at the moment. Um, you know, and even particularly Jamie, who, who had been off form for a while, was very good the last day and, and confidence will be coming back to himself. So we have the fours that can do damage, but they can only do damage if they're getting the ball early. Um, slow ponderous games and letting Donegal get men back behind and having to shoot from distance it's its not what we're about whenever we're going well No, let's finger cross we won't have to watch that Just quickly Aaron um, what kind of matchups do you see? McBrearty I'm sure will be back it'll be Paddy Burns and James Morgan versus McBrearty and Brennan you'd imagine inside who'll pick up Murphy that's always the big talk about who'll pick up Ryan McHugh we saw Conor Myler doing such a good job on him before Paddy Durkin as well where, where, how do you see that going? Well, Murphy, I suppose, is, is your main key man up front. And I actually think that Aidan Falker could potentially get him. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, Geezer seems to seems to, to like him um, and, and putting him after some of the key men. Um, I suppose you just look back, it was Enda Smith um, a, a couple of weeks ago um, that, that he put him on. Um, now, Ryan Kennedy as well um, would get a lot of the, the, the bigger jobs, but Murphy tends to drift out the field, so I can't see him wanting Kennedy to go out the field. So I would see you could potentially have Brennan, um, you could have Patrick Brund and Jamie Brennan, and maybe Kennedy then and McBrady, who I believe is back. And given that it's not good football, and given that he needs to get game time under his belt, um, if he's fit to play, you'd be starting him. Um, so I would think that Kennedy uh, could end up going on him. Um, and then uh, James Morgan, I would imagine, would be getting one of the man-marking uh, jobs, probably on the likes of Kieran Thompson, um, because again, Langan tends to, to drift more out uh, as a midfielder, similarly to, to what Michael Murphy does. And Ryan McHugh, who's going to uh, pick Ryan, him? Well, to be fair, like while they're exceptional forwards, um, Stephen Campbell and Grugan, they don't shirk responsibility in terms of, of tackling back. So um, I could see either of them actually going on. I, I can't see Arma um, putting a, taking a half back and, and putting them up to, to man mark them. I, I would see uh, Geezer putting that responsibility on either Rory or, or Stefan to follow right. him. Um, okay. They want to go down the same road as Kerry and put a corner back wing forward. <laughs> no, no. And I, I, I genuinely don't. I, I didn't agree with that. Uh, I never do. Um, but I can't see them putting a putting a defender up. I think that um, they'll they'll just expect huge work rate. Um, and um, 
the boys have just been completely tuned in in terms of McHugh. But then also trying to put him in the back foot at times um, to see if we can, can get scores off him. Much easier said than done. But for me, it's um, it's the avenue I think that Armagh will go down. OK, Connor, prediction from you? Um, yeah, sorry, Darren. But I just think that Donegal are just so comfortable in their own skin at this stage. Um I think that uh, I just think it's it, it's nearly written that they're going to win Ulster this year and 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 give Dublin a a go in Crow Park. So I'm going to go for Donegal, but I'm only going to say three to four points. I wouldn't say it's, it's going to be by that much. Yeah, Aaron. Oh, my heart would say uh, obviously Armagh, and um, if, you know you would hope to God that we can pull out a massive performance and upset them similar to what Cork did last week. But if you're being absolutely realistic and, and you're looking at form lanes and a team going for three in a row, you'd have to say that, that Donegal would be red hot favourites for it. Yeah, no, they're definitely red hot favourites. There's no doubt. I think there'll be nothing in this lads. I really don't because I think that I think on sixty minutes we could see Donegal being under a lot of pressure here. I think Donegal would sneak it in the end, but I see this being a very, very, very uh, close game. Now, obviously, listen, we'll uh, we'll have to see on Monday. I won't be replaying that, but I do think, I think Armagh are ready. Armagh have to, either they're going to shit or get off the pot now and try and take out a big team and become a big team. And I think that's what kind of line geezer is going to be coming down with them. And it's going to be a, a messy day. And I think it's going to be a real battle. And I do think on 60 minutes, there's going to be nothing nothing in this. I think Donegal might sneak it in the end. Right, Mead Kildare, this is a brilliant game, lads. Um, arguably, for me, could be the game of the weekend. And this is the big question in Leinster. Who's the second team in Leinster? And Mead will say they are, and Kildare will say they are. I think um, we were saying, was it last Monday, that if, if Kildare had Mead's kind of steel and determination and the Kildare players Kildare would be the second best team and if Mead had a couple of the Kildare forwards they would be the second best team anyways I might be talking complete nonsense here but it's a very very evenly matched um, game we were talking on Monday here Connor about the dynamic in the Kildare um, full forward line and I, I got it wrong because obviously you only saw highlights and we didn't know what was going on because Derek Herwin's a target man and Daniel Flynn's a target man and Jimmy Highland's a scorer and I'm like you can't have two target men inside with a score they'll be both be fighting running out for the same ball but as it turns out Daniel Flynn drifted but he didn't drift in the manner I would like to see him drifting he drifted out got on ball and became a bit of tried to be a bit of a playmaker kick passer and like Daniel Flynn's not that he's a strike yeah. runner and he's a sco- he can get spectacular goals and points so what I would like to see maybe a Rory Grugan out there you know giving in some good ball and Daniel Flynn not entertaining the play until the ball's kicked in and then bang, you know, he's gone off these fellas. So Kildare nearly there under forward dynamic. Maybe Paddy Brophy could be the playmaking player. You know, he's a big man, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I, I see this as being a really exciting game and two footballing teams as well. Yeah. And I was just even looking, cause, cause I know, um, I know you've touted Kildare as the, as the second best team in Leinster. And I was just looking at their, the, the forward line that they li- lined up against uh, Offaly was just, it looked, it looked so potent. And then they'd Neil Flint come off the bench as well. And like there's there's not and Paul many, Cribben. And Paul Cribben. There's not many teams in the country, not many of the top teams that have the options that Kildare have. And yet, you know, coming down coming down, you know, into the Melton Bot against Offaly, they just about got over the line. And just they shot fourteen wides uh, the last day as well and didn't have didn't have that many goal chances as well. So there's there's maybe something that they're not just they're just not putting it together because it's absolutely there on paper. And if you were to ask me the best team after Dublin on paper in Leinster, I definitely say Kildare. But I don't know, the next day I just think Mead, since they've come back, like say what you want about Dublin not being ready for for the game that they had in in Parnell Park, uh, Mead gave Monaghan a right good go. And listen, 
how much relevance you can read into um into their game against Wicklow last week, but still Mead hit seven goals and um uh his name escapes me in the full forward line uh, hitting the, the Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris hitting three four as well. So like they're obviously in, in flying form too. I don't I don't think there'll be I don't think there'll be much in this one either. I it could be I I I I'd be biased and say that I think Mayo and Galway is the game of the weekend. This could be it after it. But I will I would just go for Mead, given the momentum they have coming in to get over the line by a couple of points. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I, I keep kind of backing teams like Kildare who let me down, Armagh let me down. Galway are probably the only team that got close that I kind of took a graph for. But um, they're being backboned, Aaron, by two players from Sarsfields. Con Cavanagh, centre-half back, he's new. It's about 24. Shea Ryan is at full-back. He's new. They're both Sarsfields. They're both kind of on that Davy Burke, Sarsfields county final winning team and they're both kind of new their defense has a new look to it their midfield and attack you know there will be a lot of a lot of similar places where do you see the two teams matching up like in form in the last year or two you'd say a mead victory yeah yeah and it's if you throw in um uh kevin feely's obviously midfield but aaron masterson the other midfielder who was under all ireland on 21 winning team he's a massive man um yeah yeah well so that's that's a nearly a whole new spine um with obviously an experienced goalkeeper and an experienced Kevin Flynn so um th- that's definitely exciting because you're seeing a new look um to Kildare but I just think that I was watching from earlier in the year and this past couple of weeks Mead and you're nearly feeling sorry for them because they're doing so much well um yeah. and, and they weren't winning games or they weren't getting results and even their super eight games last year like to be fair from where they have come from and the knocking that Mead teams have taken um you could couldn't but admire just the, the absolute desire that these boys have to, to play for me. Um, Andy McIntyre's doing a super job with them, and they maybe just don't have the out and out quality that we maybe used to seeing in your mid teams with your your Garrity, Jails, Rourke, Flynn, these boys up front. Um, but definitely in terms of, of absolute endeavor and, and willingness to work for each other, you can't fault it in this team, and that's why I think that's what I think will be the difference. I think. Who has the best players um, in terms of just technical ability? You would have to say Kildare, but I just think that the the willingness to to bring their county back um, to a higher standard. Um, I think that these these mead boys at the moment are, um, you know, they're, they're definitely uh, doing their best to I suppose bring back that reputation um, that that and that sort of fear uh, from mid football that we all have become accustomed to um, and I think it'll be a good game of football um, I think the fact that Mead have scored seven goals last week granted albeit it was against Wicklow and um, maybe Wicklow's peak was that all their their uh, those desire was in promotion and getting that then championship win over Wexford but um, to score seven goals was huge for them because that was the biggest issue that they had all throughout the league or in those Super 8 games. They were creating the opportunities, but they just weren't taking them. So have they turned the corner here? Um, yeah. We'll see what they're like now against against a higher-ranked opposition. Um, but I, get, me, I, get, I, yeah, I get the feeling you're both going for me there, lads. Yep. Yeah, same as, yep. I'm going to stick, stubborn and as all as I am, I'm going to stick with Kildare, even though I both see your point. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to stick with Kildare and see, uh, again, there's going to be nothing in this. This could be a, a fantastic game. It's on RTE News now. What's that, Connor? 
It's sorry for it, throwing it at you. No, you can get it's uh it's just the you can you can get it online. It's on an app or like if uh it's 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 on it, it the the number escapes me. If you go to the news section of your like your skybox or something like that, you can get it there. That's where oh, the, it's on the telly. It's on it's on it's, that's where the Mayo Leachum game was on earlier on the year, yeah, or a couple of weeks. Oh ago. right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, so you go, go to your digital television uh, television or news. It's just a channel that will that will come up in on your digital. Well, it does here in in the north of Ireland, yeah, anyways. Yeah. That watch the the uh, the Mayo and Leitrim game also, yeah. So great, very great. Tip and Limerick we can last week as well, uh, Willie. All right, very good. We can watch the the first half of this then before the the Connacht final. It's enough fantastic news for us all, right? The other match in Leicester semi final is Dublin Leash. Now, obviously, we're not even going to take predictions on this because Dublin are going to win this. I think it's fair enough. The big question here is how are Leash going to lose this game? Are they going to roll over? Or are they going to get a few swings in? Like, I mean, that's the big question. Are they going to, is the bell going to ring and are Leash going to go up against the ropes and cover up and get knocked out, you know, towards the end of the round? Are they going to come out into the middle of the ring and start swinging and get knocked out <laughs> probably a bit earlier, but at least having, you know, caused a few problems? Like, I mean, Kieran Lillis is back. Here's my plan. You've got Kieran Lillis back into midfield, stick John O'Loughlin, Paul Kingston, uh, Gary Walsh and Evan O'Carroll all inside the 45. And every time when you're working the ball out, you get the ball to, to the 45 midfield, I'm launching it. Now, I mean Aidan O'Rourke to Ronan Clark launch. I mean Tomas O'Shea <laughs> to Kieran Donaghy launch. I'm launching diagonal balls. Now, if it breaks, fine. If you catch it in your belly, of a mark, it's a mark, it's a pint. Dublin won't have faced that before. Now, I mean, I'm going to town on this, at least until the first water break. And then Dublin will change a few things and you could potentially run a few more then. I'm telling you now... Something has to happen where Dublin are getting bombarded with bombs that they've never happened before and Dublin are taken out of the comfort zone that I'm actually sick of seeing Dublin swat weaker teams away trying tactics that might have worked bloody eight years ago. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Um, as much as we all love to see Dublin playing, their games are hard watching now at this stage. Granted, they're exceptional, but you say it's, it's just... Um, the willingness of other teams to even ask questions of them. So, um, yeah, I love that long diagonal ball. Um, my only fear will be uh, a leash man needs to get hold of the ball, or if not, player very, very quickly because uh, the athleticism of of the men who you mentioned there, um, they have a long day ahead of themselves if, if they're going to be chasing Dublin boys in possession. But no, I, I do. Think, think about think about this, Darren. Think of how much energy you're conserving by just letting it on. So you're conserving minimal energy on your own attacks, and you're conserving energy you know, to try and hassle and hurry Dublin. And another good thing of leaving four forwards up there at all times is that you're not dragging Dublin's uh, backs the whole way up the field. So when they kick a wide or a point from play, they have the natural press on you. You can't get out of your own half. Those tactics actually work against you rather than for you. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I agree with you in that there. Um, because I'm shouting at, I'm shouting at you like you don't agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I do, it's not a little bit of my point of, of looking at Donegal all the time. Do you know, I'm sitting looking going, there's an easier way. You don't have to run from end lane to end lane all day here. Do you know, the odd 30, 40 metre kick pass won't kill you. Um, so that's, yeah, like I'd be all for that there. Um, whether Mike Cork does it or not, uh, I don't know. But he strikes me as the sort of man who wouldn't wouldn't mind in a left field plan. Um, so it, it may be something he goes for. But your second point, again, is very valid. 
that you're not dragging the whole Dublin team back up the field. You're holding some sort of shape. So even if you keep four men up the field, them four men have to be marked. You know, so you don't have the same amount of Dublin players to contend with in terms of having to chase all over the field or clog up space if you're trying to get a kicker out. So, um, like you say, it, it's a wee bit more of the leash team then dictating terms to Dublin, um, whether they have the quality or the physique or whatever it is to see it out for 70 minutes. Um, that's debatable. But yeah, like you say, all we want is entertain us a bit with something that um, it makes it a worthwhile watch. Yeah, exactly. And for Dublin to go at halftime, Jesus, lads, what are we going to do about this? You know, instead of going, this has come exactly like we'd planned, Connor. And I don't mean 30, 40 kick passes like there. I'm talking about 1970s football here. I'm talking about driving the thing in. Like, I don't mind. I want to do something that's completely different. And again, at half time, because Dublin are so good at fixing things, they'll start dropping players back to protect these big bombs that are coming down on top of them. And then you say, right, the start of the second half, let's stop doing that. And we've extra, we'll have extra players out the field. Maybe, I don't know. Look, I'm just thinking, like, what can Leash do here to actually just just give them a few problems? Like, are, you, I mean, are, you, are you looking Mike Quirk to have boys practice and drop kicks this week? Well, well I think I think Mike. Well, I think Mike Quirk could should potentially play full forward himself if his transfer went through. Like, I, I have no problem with player manager this weekend. Yeah, if they want drop kicks, the longer the longer this kick, the, the better, as far as I'm concerned. But but Mike work him beside Evan O'Carroll there, Willie, and yeah, the, 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 the <laughs> approach inside. Oh, listen, you're like you're right. I mean, like in ter- like Dublin have swatted the teams in Leinster aside for the last few years with, without the other team having laid a glove in them because they've they were beaten before they already started. Whereas Leach a couple of years ago, at least they now they ended up losing quite comfortably in the end. But God, they gave it a go for as you said, first half maybe fifty minutes before kind of fading away in the end. So that's uh, th- the one thing that that struck me against the Westmead game was that. Westmead didn't give them chance, give themselves a chance. Obviously, they were like five points down after five minutes. The game was over, but for large parts, I was watching. They just could, they couldn't get it out of their own half. So, but because of this laboured approach and because of this desire to to get so many man back, men back, sorry, and just kind of damage the rotation more so than nothing else. And and it was a disappointment. And as you said last week, they they kind of they didn't die with their boots on at all. So. Leash, they've nothing to lose. They're, they're Dublin are five hundred to one on. If Leash, if Leash lose by ten points, nobody's going to bat an eyelid anyway. So as you said, go out swinging rather than just kind of, I don't know, dam- like a damage limitation approach as Westmead tried and it did not work at all last week. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll all go for Dublin in that one. But let, again, you just like, all as a Leash person, I just like to be proud of the effort, you know, and that we gave we gave it a go. That would be the best way. Um, you know, to describe it. Kevin and Down is the last one, lads. Um, we'll go quickly on this one. Not the most high-profile Ulster semi-final in the world, um, Aaron, if we're being honest. We don't know an awful lot about Down. Um, they have a few new players. Um, you know, Kevin we know about. Um, they're playing They're playing fairly well, considering nobody nobody expected it. Very surprising to Moss Galligan didn't get back in for a start after his Monaghan performance against Antrim. But, but how do you see this one going? Um, yeah, I suppose uh, in terms of down themselves, um, I suppose being a neighbouring county, you, I, you would know and have heard of um, some of the boys that would have coming through underage. Um, they do, I suppose they're suffering a bit um, in terms of the past few years where there probably are a few other um, players that that should be on the panel and definitely have, have the capability. In terms of I'm just thinking some of the Kilku lads, like particularly Daryl Brannigan um, has yeah. been, 
he, he's been the best defender in down um for 10 years and he, he's without doubt a county footballer um himself and probably even eugene um at this stage you know you, you would have loved to see them um having a stab at the county football um darren o'hagan obviously is their best defender um and has been sort of their their main go-to man marker this past number of years. He's out injured at the minute, so yeah, that that is hindering them. But I think what you've seen last week about them, and particularly once they, they got going in the second half, um, they were patient and sort of if the cagey affair against Fermanagh, you know what you're going to get, get against Fermanagh. They're, they're difficult to play against. But I think as the game opened up and you could see a bit of confidence and Down starting to play with a bit more pace and a bit more directness, um, and and finished the game very strongly. Um, and I think particularly. Um, um, Kaelon Mooney um, in the middle of the field looks like he's starting to really settle in um, to, to a position. He had been going very well as, as a wing half back a couple of years ago, but maybe just not getting enough ball. Um, where maybe the, the nice loose player in the middle of the field um, will suit him a bit better. And the two Cavan midfielders um, are, are maybe more fetchers. I don't think they have anyone with out and out pace um, to be able to go with him. So there'll definitely be opportunities to, to be created um, for him there. Um, if you go back to, I suppose, Cavan and you're talking about maybe Mayo been on the go so long, um, Cavan at this stage, they've, they've probably had a similar team um, this past number of weeks. They're winning, so their confidence is building uh, and growing off the back of that. And to be fair, there wouldn't be really a fear um, of down for those by. So I would think that, again, you'll probably see a cagey first half, but I think that this could absolutely open up in the second half to being, to being a really good game of football because, again, what has either team got to lose here? Like, there's a, a place in an Ulster final up for grabs, um, which, again, would be massive progress for, for both counties. Yeah. OK, how do you see this one going, Connor? What's your call on this? I'm just going to give down the not like I haven't seen a whole lot of down. Uh, Willie that was relying on highlights from the Fermanagh game and didn't see much in the league. But I can't. I watched Cavan against Antrim. They laboured. They got over the line in the end, but they laboured for a long time. And I just think I, and I, Antrim brought a very defensive. They system did. To they, that they, game. Were, they were very very defensive in fairness. But I just think um, I think down down of a few potent forwards as well. Like uh, Aaron mentioned, Coyle and Mooney have come from the midfield. Uh, a couple of the Johnsons as well. I think one of them came on the last day as well. So and they were fairly comfortable against Fermanagh again. I don't think there'll be much in it, but if I had to call it, I'd go with down by a couple of points. What about you, Aaron? Yeah, I would say Cavan would be favourites for it, but I think that we could have a bit of an upset in this one. Not that it would be a huge upset, but I actually think myself um, that Down could get across the lane in this one. How good is Barry O'Hagan? Barry's very good. Sorry, I forgot to mention him. He's he's Darren's brother. Um, yeah. And he, he just... I think he'd spent a few summers in America, um, but I would have seen quite a bit of him at club football and would have played against him in a, in a couple of tournament games in Burning County down in early season. He's just an out and out scorer. Um, you know, he he has the ability to put the ball over the bar, which is it's obviously key uh, at the moment. And he had a very good game last week. Uh, and I think you know the fact that he has such a quick turnaround, I think his his confidence will definitely be high. But also inside, um, Don Loher is and has been their main man. Uh, surprisingly, he scored one four last week, and then Paddy Talley took him off and. The game was sort of in the balance whenever he took him off, and I seen Paddy Talley interviewed after the game, and he was saying that we we just we want to see what else we have, we have other options, you know, that we want to give by his game him, and I thought that's all well and good saying that there, but don't take off your best player. So uh, you could maybe have the likes of Donald uh, O'Hare 
not that he needs it, but coming out just with with a, a wee extra point to prove this week, um, to know that he doesn't want to be taken off your your top man, uh, your top score. They never like to be replaced, especially whenever games in the balance. So again, that that psychology might work even in Down's favour this week. Yeah. Okay. So you're both going for down, lads. Yeah. yeah. I'll keep it interesting with a draw after full time and Cavan after extra time here because they're because of their battling qualities. Right, lads. We'll leave it there. Um, we'll be back on Monday we'll review the whole weekend um, hopefully we'll see we'll be able to review Leash bombing, bomb, bombing balls <laughs> down like uh, Tim Kennelly from centre back on the drop kick or Paddy O'Shea and uh, I can't believe I'm promoting this 1970s football but I am right we'll talk to you Monday and we'll review all the weekend's action good luck I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.